0: hi welcome to two towns over this show was made possible by our patrons so if you would like to support us we're at patreon.com slash two towns if you can't afford monetary donations we are also at facebook.com slash tto pod and if you would share us around and give us five star ratings on whatever podcast you're into we would greatly appreciate it uh, thanks for listening enjoy the show
1: If living in the 80s taught me anything, if it's bad, it must be Satan.
2: I'm going to keep it anonymous because I know you just clicked the record button. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there was this individual who uh, had discharged a firearm mm-hmm. into the porch of their apartment building and uh, got charged with they, – they threw, they threw the book at this person for it. Uh, the person was under the influence of alcohol to their knowledge, but it turns out that their significant other at the time – had also been drugging them and it was a whole similar thing with where you know a- a- every part of the legal system behind the decision ended up <gasps> just being a big fuck you and it's like the whole time i was hearing that story uh i was like fuck <laughs> it's it, what it doesn't surprise me <laughs> anymore right. is the thing like it fucks me up so bad after all this west memphis stuff to to hear about these other court cases and it's just it's all it's all the fucking same when shit like this happens it it is all mirror images
0: that was what whenever so you know growing up black in america you're Um, always aware that death is just around the corner to put it poetically but like when you live in rural towns like i have my whole life basically like it doesn't feel like it. It feels like right. it happens other places, right? Mm-hmm. Until uh twenty sixteen rolls around and a woman you work with gets shot because the cops executed a no knock 3 AM fucking warrant on her boyfriend. Yeah. Like so yeah, it's or or like if a member of your church gets killed by the police because he for some reason was drugged out of his goddamn mind and decided that having a shootout with the police was a good idea. Two very different situations, but, like, it's still two people that you know, Mm -hmm. and you're, like, it fucks you up. It changes, like, how you think of the world, really. Yeah. yeah.
1: All right, so welcome, everybody, to Two Towns Overseas.
2: Was that the the first time ever that our cold open was related to the subject matter of the day? Probably. Yes.
0: (laughs) 100%. There's no chance we've ever done that before.
1: So we are finally the end is in sight with the West Memphis three. That's what we've got this week and one more, right? Yeah. Next week is, is the, f- the aftermath. This is the last of the original story. Whew. All right. All right. Um, we can make it. Yep. We, we can make it. <laughs> We're almost there. We're <laughs> almost then, there. Then we'll have a couple fun little, you know, uh, forced hypnosis and, uh, uh what was yours? Oh, Pazuzu. Pazuzu yeah, Algarod. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just yeah, a yeah. Psychopathic, Luciferian.
2: Right. Oh my god, can we please just get back to psychopaths? I was going <laughs>
0: to say I want to talk about how therapists shouldn't date their clients. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. Uh, so,
2: before we get all the way back into it though, can we give Don a little round of applause for writing the best long-form script we've ever had on the show that is the most informative piece of content about the West Memphis 3 trial that I've ever heard in my
0: entire life. Mm -hmm. Clap at home. We literally might have... (laughs) <laughs> the most thorough and most accurate analysis of what happened on the internet when we're done. It, at least, it's very possible. At least in
2: podcast form, yeah. I think, because well. it's, I, ha- I have seen other podcasts talk about it. I have never certainly seen... Certainly
0: there's some niche video editor on YouTube. Oh, exactly. Video essayist.
2: Yeah, but I have certainly, in my searchings, never come across any coverage of the West Memphis three
0: certainly we've got
1: the most thorough that's for damn sure
2: that is (laughs) as thorough as what Don has put
1: together for it. So yeah, at least from, uh, the, uh, innocence side of the argument. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, uh,
0: it's, I don't even think that it's, I've been saying that they're innocent. You have never, you have said your opinion that they are, but you've mostly just been giving us what happened. Your, your script has been largely
1: unbiased. Yeah. Yeah. I do input my uh, opinions. But you,
2: you do here and there, but you know, it's <clears throat> that's also you as a person, but all of the information Nothing is that, without bias. Right. Right. Period. Nothing is without bias. If but a all human the, wrote it, there's bias. All of the information that you've given has been you know just the
0: facts yeah that includes the human who wrote the program for the ai so there's right. still bias there it's less because it's far farther removed but i did like, see a thing there. the other
2: day where a bunch of people were getting together and trying to train various ais to do math wrong and it was
1: very fucking funny to me <laughs> all right so where we last left off jesse had just been sentenced to life without the eligibility eligibility of parole for the death of michael moore followed by 40 years for the deaths of stevie branch and christopher byers to be served consecutively a thing that we would remind everyone he definitely did not fucking do
0: he, he i don't even know if he was smart enough to do that shit
1: so but before we leave jesse there's one last thing that needs to be addressed
2: <clears throat> uh remind me real quick consecutively is one after the right. other right what's yes. what's the other one what's the word uh to be served when you serve sentences at the same time Concurrent? Concurrently,
0: yes. I was going to say coterminous, but that's that's a different thing. It has to do
1: with time. So the issue that needed to still be addressed was whether Jesse would testify against Damien and Jason. Now, despite him being convicted in a court of law, the prosecution was still willing to offer him a lessened sentence if he was to testify. Now, the urge grew even greater when they received word that while on his way to prison from the courthouse, Jesse confessed to the sheriff's office for driving him yet again. This time, Jesse said that he met Damien and Jason in the woods in the evening. They were drinking in the woods. Jason and Damien were drinking beers. Jesse was drinking a bottle of Evan Williams that Vicky Hushison had per- bought for him. Now, Jesse claimed that the three mm. Mm. Jesse claimed that he- the three teenagers hid when they heard the eight year olds enter the woods and jumped out when they got near them and began beating them. Now, Jesse still stated that the young boys were raped and still implicated himself, Jason and Damien, but this time he stated that after he held Michael Moore, he left and in disgust threw the whiskey bottle to the ground under an overpass, shattering it. Immediately after hearing this, the prosecution went in the dead of night to search for that whiskey bottle. Fogelman stated, "...we went back out there practically in the middle of the night, searching the overpass Jesse had described." We found this neck of a whiskey bottle. It was the largest piece of whiskey bottle that we could find that you could identify. Um, and it's the brand that Jesse had described. Of course, we're talking about a year later. And so we said to Stidham, Dan, is this enough corroboration? Here's the kind of whiskey. And he said, no, that it wasn't enough. So, Which one is Stidham again? Stidham, Stidham is, is Jesse's the good guy. lawyer,
0: the good guy. Okay.
1: Um, so we go back to the police department. Not the
2: closest thing to a good guy that we have here. Yeah.
1: And Gitchell calls the person who allegedly gave Jesse the whiskey, and she's on a speakerphone. By the way, I'm reading this, how it was said, so don't get on me. Yeah, about
2: that it. verbatim text is always fucked, I know.
1: Gitchell says so, and Gitchell says so-and-so, I've got a real important question to ask you. Did you ever give Jesse any alcohol? And there's this long pause, and she says, well, yes, I did. And he said, what kind is it? And she says, well, it was whiskey. And he says, what kind? And she goes through three or four, and then she says, no, that isn't it. Then she says the brand of what Jesse and Dan Jesse told Dan it was. Of course, it still wasn't enough to convince Dan. Now, Stidham attributed Jesse's sudden willingness to talk to the prosecutor, to his fear of being in prison, and to his corresponding desire to please authorities. Stidham was not very impressed with the fact that the prosecutor had found a broken Evan Williams bottle alongside an overpass near one of the nation's busiest highways.
0: Right.
2: Like that's what the like,
0: fuck does that really mean? That's and like a popular
2: me being brand?
0: Like, I threw my I threw my cigarette butt out under the 95 overpass in Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're yeah. like, "Oh yeah, what brand was it? Newport?"
1: Come on, man. Right. <laughs> so, um it's Marlboro. Unless, fuck off.
2: Unless it's like Virginia Slims. Then <laughs> 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 there is no fucking identifying now, Jesse, behind that.
1: Jesse would eventually decide not to testify against Jason and Damien, but the prosecutors had one last plan. Behind closed doors and without Stidham's knowledge, on the eve of the second trial, the prosecutors relocated Jesse to Jonesboro, Arkansas, the site of the second trial. Now, this move had been approved by Judge Burnett ex parte, which in legal ethics, ex parte refers to improper contact with a, par- with a party or a judge ethical rules typically forbid a lawyer from contacting the judge or the opposing party without the other party's lawyer also being present. Yeah. Now, a breach of these rules is referred to as improper ex parte contact. You know what's crazy about
0: this trial, you guys? Is that even if they had done it, they still should not have gone to jail based on the conduct of the police. Yeah. Right. Like, they fucked up so bad that you there should have been zero chance of these boys going to jail. Prison. You know what I'm saying? It's... it's. Yep. That's the more frustrating thing to me. Because if they had found the person or people who really did kill these boys and they had done the investigation the same way... I Oh. Oh, boy. <clears throat> this is the type of shit that you do if you want to make an, an evil person rich. Like, you... You fuck up your investigation so hard. So it it, like you, you do so many illegal things that they can sue you for the rest of their life for as much money as they want. Right. Like it's, it's wild. It's wild how negligent and how, how poorly this investigation was done.
2: you know, I was going to say to play devil's advocate for a second, but I don't even think this is playing devil's advocate. I don't, get why he would have confessed again in the back of the cop car he after probably didn't. everything was over. I mean, and yeah, that's what I'm thinking too, is he probably just actually didn't, but there are very specific things in what he said there, so I'm not...
1: I think with Jesse, because it, it's... Literally, Jesse had the mind of an eight-year-old kid. Yeah. I mean, he was barely as intelligent as the three kids who were murdered. Right. And as you'll see when we do um Martin's uh McMartin. Uh-huh. If kids think that they're gonna get a reward, they're gonna say whatever they're told they yeah. think the people wanna hear.
0: Like, I mean, literally, we don't have to go very far for that another example of that. In this very case, Aaron Hutchinson
1: yeah. is
0: eight, the same age as these boys, and he has cha- he has said as many crazy things as he thinks he can. So that his mom will get him ice cream or whatever the fuck right. he thinks his reward will be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, so that's why, I mean, even if he, like, also he's panicking. He's been panicking for months now. Yeah. You know, and now he's on the way. He's going to say whatever he thinks he needs to to get out of it, if he even said anything at all. Right. Right. So and I don't trust Vicki Hutchinson either. No. At all. So her saying, yeah, I gave him some of this. Was it this, was it this, was it this? Well, I don't know. Was this the same motherfucker that like was it the same guy on the phone that was doing the investigation that was leading Jesse's answers? Yes, it was Gitchell. Cause that guy is already demonstrated that he will tell you what answer he wants before you can give it. Right. So like, yeah, ever ever white or whatever the fuck. Ever clear? Ever clear. Ever clear. The worst the worst. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's like, what would 17-year-olds drink? I'm going to go break this bottle under the overpass and, and That's ask true. Vicky to say that she gave them this brand or whatever. Yeah.
1: So Stidham said that he first... Fuck you, Vicky and Bitchel. Stidham said that first the first he had heard about Jesse being moved was when he was watching the nightly news. Stidham and Crow immediately drove to Jonesboro and demanded to speak to their client. When they entered, Jesse ecstatically told him that the deputy that drove him there uh, said that they were going to bring his girlfriend to visit him. As Stidham recalled later that night, he and Crow were given 15 minutes to speak with their client before Prosecutor Davis was interrupting them, stating that Jesse had agreed to make a statement and that it was time for him to give it. An argument ensued and Jesse stood up and defiantly stated that he did want to give a statement, and walked out of the room with the prosecutors. When Stidham reached out to Judge Burnett to protest, stating that the prosecutors were violating Jesse's rights, Burnett told him that he could inform Jesse that nothing he said could be held against him in court. And that was it. At eight At wow. 8.02 p.m. What a
0: corrupt motherfucker. Mm-hmm.
1: At two p.m., Jesse was sworn in, and he gave yet another differing statement. His story stayed the same mostly, but this time he stated that the boys were tied up with shoelaces stating that he was confused before the next day stidham formally notified burnett that the prosecution was not to have contact with jesse any longer but it was all for naught every day until the start of the second trial davis and fogelman visited jesse in jail wow and burnett did nothing to stop them of course he
0: did i i am so how many of these people are still alive All of them. Because I will fucking find them them and beat them into the goddamn earth. In Minecraft. In real life. Come get me, bitch. It's a threat. (laughs) No, it's not. It can't be legally. But, like, I have stated many times that I'm a pacifist, but these motherfuckers deserve to get shit on.
1: (laughs) So... Let me get back to it. They
0: They deserve... Fucking History X or whatever. American, American History, History X. X. Yep, the curb stumps they scene. deserve yes. that fucking shit. Makes me All of them. Queasy to this day. Yep, I've seen that scene one time, and it, and I will never watch that movie because of it.
2: Uh, I I have very mixed feelings about American History X as a whole.
0: Yeah, I think that was the the whole point of that movie. Yeah,
2: it, it was. It very <laughs> much was, and it did its job. To the point where like, it's a movie that will make you nauseous, mm-hmm. and and it should. But that curb stomp scene in particular... It's gruesome. It immediately made that one of my worst fears of anything that could physically happen to my body. <laughs> like, if somebody had me on the ground with a gun to my head and told me to bite a curb, you better just fucking shoot me. Yeah, I'm not doing that. You, you can put a bullet in every inch of my body before you will get me to put my teeth on a curb.
1: So meanwhile, the jury selection for Damien and Jason was off to a slow start. They all deserve to be... Horrible shit should happen to them. When Burnett would ask the potential jurors if anyone had not heard of the case, no one raised their hands. By the end of the first day, they had only one juror selected. By the second day, they had yet to find a juror that could be impartial. Now, the local newspapers also noted the stark contrast between Jesse and Damien. Whereas Jesse never looked up during his trial... Damien was constantly looking around, laughing at statements the judge made, and holding his head up high and proud. On the Saturday before the trial began, the commercial appeal published a story on the trial that began with the following sentence
0: The uh, legend of Damien
1: Eccles blows through the trailer parks and flatlands around this Delta town like a brisk winter wind, chilling listeners with tales of vampires, Satanism, and ritual murder.
2: Fuck's
1: sake. So the opening of Damien and Jason's trial followed the same strategy as Jesse's. In fact, the trials were so similar that for the sake of everyone's sanity here and the fact that we've been so ensconced in the story for so long, I'm going to skip the repetitive parts and focus only on the new evidence and witnesses brought forth. That's a, a good year call. Thank year later.
0: Also, thank you very much. Because <laughs> I can't keep saying how shitty these people are. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, literally, I want them to hear this like i want them to know that they if they are christian they should know that they are going to hell <laughs> if you are pagan you should know that you're going to be sent to the bad place or whatever like it's you have nothing in your future other than bad things yeah that is if you believe in karma and you haven't experienced it yet just know that karma is waiting to shit in your mouth <laughs> I've been really holding on to that idea lately, trust me. I don't believe in karma. I don't believe in closure, but like, fucking A, if you do, you should know that
1: that is coming for you. So now Fogelman's opening statement to the the jury mentioned for the first time that an area of the bank near the water appeared to be, quote, slicked off and also pointed to the fact that there was no blood at the crime scene. Now, as the proof develops, he stated, I want to tell you in advance, there's going to be a lot of testimony from the Arkansas Crime Lab, and the sum of this evidence is going to be what we call negative evidence. It doesn't really show a connection to anybody. For instance, there will be proof like on the bicycles, there aren't any fingerprints on some of the things in the kids' pockets, no fingerprints, and you may wonder why we're putting on evidence of a negative, but we'll explain that to you later. Both Jason and Damien's attorneys focused their attacks on police ineptitude and their o- in their opening statements. Val Price, Damien's head lawyer, tried to write some beliefs about Damien. Pointing to Damien, he said, I'll be honest with you, he's not the all-American boy. He's kind of weird, and he's not the same as maybe you and I might be. That'll be negative, but I think you'll also see that there's simply no evidence that he murdered those three kids. That's not a bad statement. That's. I don't think that's a bad statement.
0: That is. That's about as good as you can expect. I think. Yeah. Because Damien is fucking weird. Yes. He's a weird little goth kid in Arkansas, and Arkansas doesn't in the nineties does not fucking understand that right. at all. They might not even now. Like yeah. it's it's that's about as good as you're gonna get. He's like, hey, ladies and gentlemen, I know he is not like you or your family. He is not like us. But he is innocent. There is no evidence that says that he was there or even connected to this at all.
1: And you should see that. And of course, we know where this goes. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, I (sighs) didn't put it in here, but I I will now. I will say that Damien did not help his case. No. No, he loved this. Yeah, there were stories of as he was being walked into the courtroom and was walking past the the families of the kids that were murdered, he was blowing them kisses. So, I mean, he... Just because
0: Damien is a shithead, or yes. was, maybe, I don't know what he's like now. Right. Does not mean that it is okay for... Like, this is not for y'all. I know you guys get this. Yeah. This is for people in the audience or people listening in the future who may not understand that Damien was, what, 18 by the yeah, time this 18. trial was happening? Yeah. He was a teenager. What were you like when you were 18, jackass? You right. were a dick. Like. Some people react to negative stimuli by cowering. It's fight, fight, flight, freeze. Mm-hmm. Jesse froze. Damien is fucking fighting. Right. Yeah. Like, that's how the human brain works. And also, that's how a child who has been different his whole life in a town which has... He has gone to extreme measures to be left alone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, which means they weren't fucking leaving him alone. Right. Like, of course he's going to lash out when the whole community has been targeting you over... Even just this. Like, your 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 girlfriend's parents call the cops on you for sneaking out to go have sex. Like, instead of just calling your mom or whatever. Right. Like, from jump, this community has been targeting him. And then they get this so-called expert to come in and give them an excuse to Mm. get this person out of their community who they hate. Right. Like, it's pure hatred. So, yes, Damien is a shithead. He is a shitty 18-year-old kid who got bullied his whole life, and his reaction to it was to bully back. That is not okay, but it is not grounds for putting somebody in prison.
1: Especially not for the rest of their lives. No, no, with Damien and, well... At the time. And we know now that Damien was sentenced. Damien to death. Right. got the yeah, death yeah, sentence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, there's no reason for that. I'm like, boy, boy. So during the prosecutor's arguments, they called a witness who testified that on May 5th, he saw four eight-year-old kids enter Robin Hood Hills. Now, this was such a curveball that even the press took notice. But Ron Lax, the private investigator for the defense, knew exactly what Fogelman was doing. One of the parts of Jesse's confession that never changed was the number of boys in the woods. He had always maintained that the three victims were the only ones there. But now, since Jesse would not testify, and all the other evidence was circumstantial, and there was no evidence of eyewitnesses at the crime scene, They're lying to get Aaron in there. They seem to be altering the version of what happened. In short, they were laying the groundwork to have Aaron Hutchison testify. Wow. So Detective Ridge's story also changed. He stated that even though the bank... You know, I think the worst people in
0: this might be the prosecutors. Because they are the ones... They're the ones that are purposefully... I mean, it's the whole team on that side. The cops, the judge, and the prosecutors. I was going to say, I think the judge is probably the worst. The worst individual. But the worst team, I think, might be the prosecuting team. Because they are specifically... It is their job to advise the state, a.k.a. the cops, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: on how to falsify their fucking evidence and how to lie to get teenagers put in prison or killed. Yeah. You, like, everyone in, everyone who had a part of putting these kids in jail for real should definitely get cursed somehow. <laughs> we'll work on that.
1: So, um... If we're
0: successful in summoning a demon, <laughs> I'm going to discuss some <laughs> options. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to, we're going to go over what they can offer me with a
1: 401k and stuff. <laughs> like, we're going to see. So Detective Ridge's story also changed. He stated that even though the bank of the ditch was bereft of blood, the area in the water where Christopher Byers' body was had a lot of blood floating in it. Now this flew in the face of everything because surely if the water was rife with blood, as Ridge stated, Ridge would not have had to have crawled on his hands and knees to find the body. When cross-examined by the defense, Ridge was asked by Jason's attorney how the evidence that had been found at the scene had been handled. Ridge stated that since the clothing was wet, it had to be dried out before being, being sent to the crime lab. Therefore, all of the clothing had been laid out on the floor of Gary Gitchell's office overnight, then put back in the sacks to be sent to the crime lab. Do I even need to say it, audience? Do I even need to fucking say it? Yeah. So when Damien's attorney questioned Ridge about the sticks that he found in the woods, asking why they were not taken in the day of the bodies being found... Uh, Ridge stated that he didn't take the sticks in until after Jesse's statement. Damien's lawyers immediately called for a mistrial because Jesse's statement was not permissible. Right. So the fact that the cop said, well, Jesse said it. Uh Uh-huh. The lawyers convened at Burnett's, Burnett's bench out of earshot of the jury. Price argued that his question did not require Ridge to say anything about Jesse's confession, which was not allowed in this trial. Burnett kept the conference brief by stating he shouldn't have volunteered that information, but I don't see any basis for a mistrial.
2: And even though yes, he is, broke he, the law,
1: exactly. but he didn't break the law. It's fine, mm. you fuckhead! I swear to God. <laughs> so Jason's attorney immediately uh, also immediately called for a mistrial, but Burnett was adamant. He noted that there isn't a soul up on that jury or in this courtroom that doesn't know Mister. Miss Kelly gave a statement. He said he would caution the jury to disregard Ridge's statement and ruled that the trial would continue. Jesus fucking Christ. So price continued his question by asking rich about his note written a few days after the murder about a local witness that stated that he had seen multiple black guys going into the woods beneath Rich's note on the call. Gitchell added his own note. I would just like to appreciate the fact that, um, Even in this trial
0: about white Satanist kids murdering other white not-Satanist kids. They still still try to blame black people. They still put casual racism right up in there, bud. They had to. It's
1: Arkansas, man. They gotta. You know, gotta stay on brand. So yeah, beneath Ridge's note on the call, Gitchell added his own note. Quote, it has been mentioned that during cult activities, some members blacken their faces. Holy shit! <sighs> so, Price wanted the jury to know just how early the idea of a cult killing became present. <clears throat> now, this is- I hope
0: that they. I hope the judge specifically loses everything he ever worked for in his life.
1: If it makes you feel better, I do know that he tried to run for state senate later and lost. So, oh, boohoo! Yeah,
2: right. Oh, what a loss
1: now it's not like
2: he had to give up being a judge to run for state senator i
0: hope the book of job happens to him (laughs) minus the part at the end where job gets all that shit back
2: do you did you have to like read it as the the story that was titled uh job and the no good very bad (laughs) however many descriptors i went to catholic school no, okay, it, like in uh, non-denominational or Episcopalian churches, they there was like a book that they would give you that was like Job and the the no good, very bad, awful, a, a bunch of bad things day. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. That does sound like some
1: shit a youth pastor would do.
2: It's I think about it all the time. I'm like, this is a no good, very bad day.
1: <laughs> so Price wanting the jury to know just how early the idea of the cult killing um was uh, again brought the two defense teams into opposition jason's lawyer wanted no mention of cults to be brought up by either side whereas damien's lawyers on the other hand wanted to attack the detectives focus on cults and satanism whether uh which he believed had drawn unwarranted attention to damien this is the first sign of why they lost because if they had a
0: team If they had been unified, they may have been able to at least lessen the
1: sentences. Or if they had just tried them separately.
0: Yeah. Well, right. But they weren't going to be able to do that. I just mean like with the corruption that this judge has presented so far, the best chance they had was to come to a consensus on their defense. Yeah. And they didn't, it seems. I'm so sorry.
2: Real quick. Apparently, this wasn't a thing that everybody else experienced. So it wasn't actually. So the the thing that I got that was Job and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Isn't that like a Junie B. Jones? Yeah. or Yeah. Like <laughs> it, it was a fucking ripoff of Alexander and the terrible, That's horrible, it. no good, very bad day. Yeah. Which is so fucking funny. It was. I'm. It was like a pamphlet or whatever that they gave us. That it was all the shit that happened to Job, but it was explained through the context of. That children's book. Yeah.
0: Which one was the one that, that had the... Uh, audience, if you remember this, put it in the Discord. I'll see it in a year. Um, who? Which one was the... It was the kid book series, like, uh, similar to Junie B. Jones or The Magic Treehouse, but it was there was a girl, and she was like a Sherlock Holmes detective situation, but she had a camera. She had, like, an eidetic memory, and so she would make... A you know a camera click sound and then solve crimes. <gasps> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She would solve like you know kid crimes, but like you, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Like I she don't would find either, things, but that
2: totally existed. Yeah. You're yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. All. All. It was it later, basically Ace
1: you. Ventura, camera detective.
0: It was like <laughs> it was pretty fun.
1: So Jason's lawyer believed that Jason could not be connected to anything related to cults or Satanism, and that Jason would be harmed if the subjects were introduced. And he did not want the word even mentioned. (coughs) Bro, nobody here hasn't heard of it already. Yeah. Get over yourself. So the next big difference in the second trial was the testimony of Frank Peretti, the medical examiner. When asked by Jason's attorney if he thought that he himself, a trained medical examiner, would have been able to castrate Christopher with the knife that the state had produced as the possible murder weapon in the dark, in the water, With what we already knew were a massive cloud of mosquitoes in the area, in the small window of time that was believed to be the time of the murders and not leave any blood. Peretti stated that he himself would find it very difficult. He also testified that he found no mosquito bites on the victims. But Prosecutor Davis quickly moved on. Uh huh. Now he wanted. Uh huh. Because what would that maybe suggest? That they were killed somewhere else. Hmm. So. Now, Peretti wanted, or, uh, Davis wanted to talk about the autopsy report. He stated, you said that part of your job is to prepare an autopsy report. In this particular case, were you particularly cautious about who you released that information to and when you released it? Peretti said that he was. Davis continued, normally, where do your reports go as far as who gets a copy of it? Peretti explained, what we do in the crime lab is the day we do the autopsy, we issue a sheet. It's called a cause of death sheet. This sheet automatically goes to the prosecutor of the county of of death and the coroner and the investigative agencies handling the death investigation. Davis pressed on asking, did you kind of change the procedure a little bit in this case in order to ensure that the information obtained in your autopsy report wasn't disseminated to the general public? Peretti stated, what I did was, for example, if I do, someone who died of a heart attack, I would write on it, heart attack, coronary artery disease. But because this case uh, generated such intense media coverage and there were rumors, a lot of rumors, people calling for all of these circumstances, I elected on the cause of death sheet just to put the cause of death on the sheet. I did not say anything about any of the injuries. I didn't tell the prosecutor. I didn't tell the police. I didn't tell the coroner. I kept it to myself. Now, meanwhile, as we stated, Damien wasn't helping any or his cause any. Newspapers reported that Damien had spoken briefly with reporters during a break in the proceedings. The exchange was long enough that Damien had, Damien had managed to s- describe the charges against him as bullshit and to observe that he was finding the trial pretty boring most of the time. Now, when Ford crossed, wow. it cross-examined Peretti, he focused on the time of death. At Turns out Damien was an idiot, too. Yes. <laughs> yep. At Jesse's trial, Dr. Peretti had stated that he could not give an opinion as to the time of death. But now, with Damien and Jason on trial and their lawyers pressing hard for an estimate, Peretti shocked everyone in court. He stated, based on what I know, it would be a very broad range between 1 a.m. and 5 or 7 in the morning. In contrast to the vague statement he'd given earlier, Peretti was suddenly more specific. He said that in arriving at the estimate, he had considered factors such as the temperature of the air, the temperature of the water, the times the boys disappeared. And what Gary Gitchell told me. (laughs) and the times their bodies were found, and the cause of their deaths. Now, Jason's lawyer asked him if he had consulted any of the other medical examiners regarding his conclusion. Peretti had said that he had discussed it with two other doctors, who Peretti stated were both in agreement. So this testimony flew in the face of the state's theory of the crime. It contradicted everything Jesse had said in his confession. It meant that the little boys had been alive during the nighttime search of the woods somewhere else. It called into question everything the police had surmised about the lack of blood at the scene where the boys were killed and who might have been there with them between midnight and dawn. So when Stidham had heard that Peretti would now testify to the time of death, he was stunned. He had noted that twice during Jesse's trial, he had asked Peretti if he could determine the approximate time of the victim's deaths. And each time Peretti had told him he could not. Arguing that Jesse had been denied a fair trial because the jurors were not told of the discrepancy, Stidham filed a motion with Burnett asking him to overturn Jesse's conviction and grant him a new trial. I wonder what Burnett said. Well, as history has shown, he was denied. The most damning testimony as far as Jason was concerned, and really the only testimony as far as Jason was concerned, came from Michael Carson, a teenager in jail for burglary that came forward with a wild tale. Michael had told prosecutors that one night while playing cards in jail, Jason confessed to him that he had killed the boys. Carson said that Jason had told him how he had dismembered Christopher Byers and sucked the blood from his penis before putting the balls in his mouth. So here's a
2: jailhouse testimonies like this Mm -hmm. have a big tendency to not be entirely accurate. For reasons that should be obvious, but I'm going to say them anyway. Oftentimes, inmates who agree to testify against fellow inmates will say whatever needs to be said in order for them to receive whatever their part of the deal is. It's a reduced sentence. It's special privileges uh, in jail. Sometimes it's immediate release if it leads to conviction. You're wrong. Uh,
1: yeah, I know.
2: I I know. I know. <laughs> this I'm, I'm burglary wrong.
1: was a, a complete and total angel. So he never
0: lied once in his whole life. Nope.
1: So prosecutor Davis pressed on, asking Carson why he had waited almost six months to report this conversation. To which Carson stated, "I saw the families on TV and saw how heartbroken, heart brokenhearted they were."
2: Boom. Uh, He saw the media coverage of it and knew exactly what the fuck to say.
1: Yeah. He said, I have got a soft heart and I just couldn't take it. Oh, fucking (laughs) eat shit and die. (laughs) So when the topic of the knife from the lake was brought up to Detective Allen, he admitted that the West Memphis Police Department was not stating that it was the murder weapon, but it could be. But it could be. Yes. But what if it is, though? (laughs) Yeah. But when the knife from Mark Byers was brought into the trial, Fogelman immediately objected and another in camera meeting was held. The prosecutors did not want the jury to hear that in the last six weeks the police had formally read Byers' rights and questioned him, a move that might lead some to think of him as a suspect. Wow! Wow! God damn it! <laughs>
2: This podcast is powered by Podbean Podcast Hosting. Are you thinking about starting your own podcast or looking for the best home for your podcast? Check out all the amazing features Podbean offers with unlimited bandwidth and storage for an affordable price. That's right, unlimited. Visit www.podbean.com unlimited to check it out today. That's p-o-d-b-e-a-n dot com slash unlimited.
1: So both sides question Gitchell in the hearing.
0: I, I am going to be staying up late tonight to play <laughs> Sea of Thieves because I, I can't take this shit. I, this is
1: insane I have, to me. The, the midweek is going to take care of you. I promise you. It's worse every
0: week, Don. The midweek might help. This is it. This is the end. I know. I'm, I'm. Oh, my
1: God. It's just like Brandon in high school. You just got to get this last
0: of bit. <laughs> We're almost <laughs> done.
1: You're almost <laughs> free. Be free, little boy. Just a little more.
0: Unfortunately, that is not how graduating works. <laughs> I know. And so that's, that's not how this fucking story yeah. works either, because I will be thinking about this for the rest of my fucking life. Like, literally, this is so... It's in there, man. Like, it's it's in there. We Literally, I talked to my mother about it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Mother's
2: Day. You Would you believe? And literally, I was... Dead ass. <laughs> I, I was on the phone with my mom the other day, too, and I had, like, happened to look at how long we had been on the call. Yeah for for a minute and uh it was like 15 minutes and then we started talking about like a court case and then uh i was like you know what we've been talking about for the past like six weeks is (laughs) the west memphis three trial and she's like oh i I know that one remind me about it and then i looked at the the call time again after (laughs) i i I finished talking to her about it it was like 50 minutes yeah yeah (laughs) I literally spent like th- about the same
0: amount of time telling my mom about the West Memphis 3 <laughs> a court case she fully lived through yeah. like like you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. I I there's no way she didn't at least hear about it is what I'm saying oh right. yeah
2: my mom knew about it but my mom is also the reason that I ever became enamored with true crime
0: yeah and like so I literally just spent like 50 minutes talking to her about what happened and how shitty the cops are and how fuck the police.
3: Yep. <laughs>
0: oh, my God. And how the... Ju- I, literally, I was like, Mom, would you believe... Would you believe that the judge was a, a detective and then... like a, 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 a prosecutor. He was a cop and then a prosecutor and then a judge. Would you fucking believe it? <laughs> she did obviously Yeah. She married a black man she gets it <laughs> like, <it's laughs> in the
2: south on purpose as uh-huh. she puts it <laughs> yep
1: so both sides if y'all
0: were ever doubting my, why i'm like the way i am my mom describes marrying her husband my father as marrying a black man in the south on purpose mostly to fuck with her parents <laughs> that's a real one they've been together for 30 years like
2: Ruben's That's right or die. Ruben's mom is the best. If you listen to this, Julie, I love you. She's
0: she'll listen to ten minutes of this or something. Yeah, I know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I hope she listens to that ten minutes. Make it the stinger.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: so both sides questioned Gitchell in the hearing. He maintained under oath that he and Ridge did not consider Byers a suspect. He said that they had questioned him about the bloodstained folding knife only because Stidham had insisted.
0: And he, woo, never mind.
1: Um asked just why his,
0: his testimony over the knife was
1: somewhat questionable yeah. so asked why if Byers was not a suspect, they read him as rights before the interrogation began. Gitchell said that he was just trying to be cautious. And the absurdity did not stop there. When Damien's lawyer asked Gitchell if during their questioning of Byers, the detectives had been trying to determine whether or not Mark Byers was involved in the homicide, Gitchell responded yes. But when Price then asked, so at that time, you still had a question as to whether or not there might be other parties involved in this homicide than the three people charged, Gitchell replied, no.
0: <clears throat> I'll say whatever I need to say to get these boys put away forever or dead.
1: Yeah. I hate these little boys. Uh huh. So Judge Burnett said he couldn't see the defense lawyer's point. Price said he wanted to introduce evidence collected by the West Memphis police showing that Byers had been a suspect and that there had been others as well, but Burnett would not allow it. Besides Byers... No way! Besides Byers, Price argued there was young Christopher Morgan, the Memphis teenager who told police in California that he had committed the murders. Sorry. It's okay. Um, he committed the murders. Morgan had quickly retracted his statement, but then so had Jesse. Price wanted to question Morgan as to why, or as a way of suggesting to jurors that the police case had been far from certain. But Burnett asked why Morgan's testimony would be re- irrelevant. Would be relevant.
2: Well, the case was never far from certain. It was an eleven. Oh yeah. Price was furious. Out of ten,
1: they say. Here was a man who confessed to these murders. A man who knew all three victims. A man who left West Memphis within a week after the murders. He stated, I think it's definitely relevant the fact that he went out to California and confessed. Moreover, the defense teams argued they wanted to question other witnesses whom the police had viewed as suspects, but Burnett had heard enough. He stated, gentlemen, this is getting absurd. I mean, I'm not going to let you drag in every possible suspect in this case unless you've got something to tie those persons to some event in this A primer. fucking
0: confession, you
1: piece of shit! <laughs> yeah. Like I, t- like I said back when I introduced him, you guys are not going to like Burnett. No. Yeah. Of all the people, Burnett is the absolute worst.
0: Yeah. He is, he is... I wouldn't be surprised. If I wrote a movie about this, Burnett would be the secret Satanist who killed the boys. That's Whoa. what I want his fucking legacy to be. Nice. Do you understand me? Like, I want him... I want him to see his life's work crumble before his eyes, and then I want him to live in that for a fucking decade, and then I want him to
1: die painfully. <laughs> so, he said, yeah. Um, like
0: of a heart attack in a swimming pool. No, I want him to die from being bitten by a fucking, the most venomous snake in the world or some shit. I want his limbs
1: to rot off of his living body. Okay, hurt. We're back to the bone stoning again. Uh, yeah,
2: I was, gonna say, I, I was. I was. I was going to say heart attack in a swimming pool. I think that's how Minglea died, uh, and I can only imagine that's one of the most petrifying ways to die, yeah. because you're in a swimming pool and you start having a heart attack. You are going to not be able to get yourself out of the pool. You are going to go under, and it's going to be a good, you know, whatever, uh, forty-five seconds or a minute before you actually pass out. So it's, I have experienced a second and a half of my life that felt like it was an hour and it wasn't even close to life or death. So, you know, imagine how long 45 seconds must feel if you know you're about to die.
1: So the defense lawyers argue that a a suspect's confession, even if retracted ought to suffice as a tie-in. But Burnett ruled the testimony of, about other suspects would not be allowed. He told the defense attorneys that, that he would that he was not going to let them confuse the issue when things that aren't relevant
2: aren't fucking
1: relevant. Yeah, read read the script. So as the trial entered its third week, prosecutors Davis and Fogelman turned to the topic of motive. Unable to call Jesse and unwilling to call young Aaron Hutchison,
0: I want his son to kill him.
1: Damn. <laughs> Wow. Nice. I, I want
0: his son to kill his, like,
1: a goddamn, wow, I, I, true hatred. So, unable to call Jesse and unwilling to call young Aaron Hutchison, the prosecutors had no eyewitnesses to the crime. And for physical evidence, all they had were a few ordinary sticks from the woods, a couple of similar fibers, and the knife that was taken from the lake. Nothing that directly linked the defendants to the murders. Then suddenly, Fogelman announced a motive. The Jonesboro Suns' headline stated, Prosecution says killings were cult-related. The decision triggered another in-camera hearing as Jason's lawyers tried to block the approach. With the jury out of the room, Detective Ridge testified that he believed from the start that the boys' murders were linked to the occult. The fact that there was overkill, more injuries to the boys' bodies than what was needed to kill them, he said had led him to suspect a cult-related crime. The boy's ages, which was eight, which Ridge said was a number used by witches in the Wicca religion, and his observation that in cult-related killings, the victims will be male, had supported his suspicion. Aaron Hutchison's statement had reinforced his belief. That's
0: literally the opposite of every fucking, every story yeah.
1: or, co- like, what? Yeah. It's always a virgin girl. And I've never heard anything about the number eight being... Significant.
2: I mean, I don't. I don't know about in Wicca. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. it's the number six that's significant oh, in we'll get sat- to that. Satanism. We'll get to that. Fuck
1: off. So, um, plus he said there was damage to the left side of one of the boy's faces, which is a sign of the occult, the mm-hmm. left-handed path. Jesus, Jesus,
0: oh, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. whatever. But, uh, yeah. Rich testified, this, this is the least surprising. this story thing you've told me. This story makes me so mad. But it is so fucking common in, you know, maybe less high profile or less, you know, truly important cases than this one. Right. But every day, hundreds of people get put in jail or prison or get the death sentence because of exactly this behavior. Yeah. Because of exactly this attitude. And, like,
1: that's why I don't believe in justice. <laughs> So Ridge testified that when he'd questioned Damien, the teenager's responses had further heightened his suspicions. Now, while Ford's request that Jason be tried separately from Damien had been widely reported, what the public never knew, and in fact, almost no one in the courtroom, including the jurors, knew, was that while the prosecutors were trying to win sentences of death for the accused child killers, they themselves had secretly offered Jason a separate deal. Not once, but twice. As Jason later recalled, the offers were relayed to him by his lawyers and were similar to the deal that the prosecutors had offered Jesse. Instead of asking the jury to sentence Jason to death, they would seek a sentence of 40 years, a term that would allow for his eventual parole if he would plead guilty and testify against Damien. If Jason accepted the deal and exhibited good behavior in prison, he could expect to be out in 10 to 15 years. I
0: Justice isn't real. It's no. a concept
1: we made up to make ourselves feel better, so in a lot of ways, well, Jason... at
2: least in the context of the American justice system, yeah, I think this happens think all real over the world. justice doesn't ex- well, you know at at the different rates of, of a justice system, yeah. in general uh state sanctioned justice is not real.
0: uh, I do
2: believe in the actual concept of justice for
0: when I say I don't believe in justice, I mean, I believe in the concept. That's like, justice is just like love. It's a nebulous concept Mm -hmm. that exists because people believe it. Sure. It does not necessarily mean that it is real in the context of it is a force in the universe. Like, justice is a concept that we believe in and that we try to use to guide our societies, whether they're big or small, Uh and our communities. But- Karmic justice is the thing I'm talking about. Yeah, like this is just an example of why I believe karmic justice can't exist. Sure, because of the fact that this these things keep happening. Like, we'll go even way bigger picture. Any politician in the world, pick them. Ninety nine percent of them are there due to corruption whether or not they have your best interest at heart right. they played the game of corruption to get where they are yeah because you have to it is It's, and they continue to win you see what i'm saying trump is literally respo- not just trump many presidents almost all of them seeing as uh, just you know taking into account our military budget right. but like they are literally responsible for hundreds of thousands of deaths over the course of each of the four years that they serve. And they, and some of them are guilty of actual war crimes. Yeah. And they're gu- painting. You know what I'm saying? Yep. They're out there playing golf. It, karmic justice can't be real. If they die, you know what I'm saying? They can die of a heart attack. And sure, you might say, oh, that's justice. No, it's not. My grandmother died of COPD and chronic bronchitis at 60-something. And she literally is maybe the the best person I ever met. Right. You know what I'm saying? So don't tell me about that shit. It's it's nothing. In the Bible, it says rain falls on the rich and the poor alike. That is That says to me... That even Jesus was like, hey guys, karmic justice isn't real. The world works how the world works, and you have to figure out how to navigate that shit.
2: Yeah, that's, a, that's probably a better interpretation of that than most Bible schools would teach.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, it literally is, the whole point of that whole story is that God is impartial. Right. He, he is impartial. He is the father that judges you. Karmic justice isn't real, and so you have to imagine or believe that it happens after you die.
2: Yeah, I say it all the time. This is why we need vigilantes.
1: I super don't agree with that for a <laughs> lot of reasons. I, I know. Because uh, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> then you get people who shoot someone who rings the wrong doorbell or pulls into the wrong door. I know.
2: I'm... What I mean is we need a vigilante that has my exact
0: moral compass. We need a Batman. True point we nope. don't even need batman we need spider-man
2: spider yeah that's man. true we need spider-man
0: fuck also superman can eat my ass we need spider-man because spider-man is more human
2: yep can we get
1: deadpool no
2: i watched uh an hour and 16 minute long video essay about the sam Raimi spider-man trilogy last night oh man which one was it Who did uh it? uh story
0: story something send it to me I love that shit. I will. It was, okay. it was so good, dude. He's really good. He's really I'm good. I'm literally really gonna when I get home, I'm gonna watch that and boot up fucking the pirate game and play that shit <laughs> until I fall asleep. Um Story Street. Okay, thank you. Um we were talking about Justice's Justice's No life. um Deadpool would be like if a QAnon guy got Deadpool powers. But was like nice. Huh. That's real I mean, tell me I'm wrong.
1: I'm trying to figure the QAnon. Because he's crazy. Oh, true. <laughs> in, in a real way. Yeah. Like. I'll give you that. So in a lot of ways, Jason presented the biggest threat to the prosecutor's case. They had little evidence against him. Deadpool's, Deadpool rules, though. I will not lie. <laughs> Fuck yeah. And Fogelman and Davis worried that if the jury harbored doubts about Damien, his status as a co-defendant might lead him to question Damien's involvement as well. On the other hand, if Jason were to testify against Damien... Also, I'm sorry, but not Batman, because he is a literal billionaire. Yeah, yeah right. So exactly. F-
0: if Jeff Bezos was a vigilante, I don't think it would go well.
2: I watched another hour-long uh, video essay about how Spider-Man is actually... I mean, not Spider-Man, but uh, Batman
1: is actually uh, a, a bad guy. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I love so one of their... Biggest... Batman rules too, but like, fuck off.
1: So yeah, if they if Jason were to testify against Damien, one of their biggest liabilities would be transformed into their advantage. Jason's lawyer recalled that the first approach to Jason was made before the trial began. It presented a tremendous challenge to a boy whose 17th birthday was still a month away, but his response was swift and sure. Jason recalled, they just, they said, just say something, save yourself. Ford was encouraging me to do it, but I was like, nah, this isn't right. I made the decision on my own right then and there, and it was a flat out no. Jason might be the one with the most integrity. Yes. Yes. Yeah. In this whole deal. And maybe
0: Stidham. Stidham had a fucking... He had integrity by the truckload. Stidham had a good amount of integrity and huge fucking iron nuts. Yeah. (laughs) like
1: So Ford...
2: uh, (laughs) To give him back problems, honestly. For (laughs) real.
1: Ford said, well, I still had to ask. Like much about Jason's role in the trial, the drama played out quietly and was ultimately ignored. But the episode was revealing. It showed a lot about the prosecutors and about the character of the 16-year-old who, in turning them down, risked being put to death. When Damien's defense attorneys tried to call into question the yep. way...
0: It sure does say a lot
1: about that, doesn't it? Yeah. So when Damien's defense attorneys tried to call into question the way Damien was interviewed without a lawyer or without a parent present... Judge Burnett noted that if the police investigation itself was challenged, literally hundreds of people could be called to testify, and that would, as he said before, be absurd. Would it? Would it be absurd,
2: you motherfucker? Wow, you mean they should have done their police work before, and because they didn't, you're throwing out... What's the judge's name
0: again? Burnett. Burnett. Bur- what First name? David. David Burnett. Yeah. I've- I want you to know that even if you don't die horribly, as I have suggested, I will literally, ooh, I will make it my life's work to ruin your legacy. Do you understand me? I fucking <laughs> hate you.
2: <laughs> we should, when he does die, which is probably not going to be that far in the future, we should like start doing a yearly trip to his grave and just <laughs> piss on it.
0: I I would do that.
2: I, I'm not I kidding. I literally no, I'm physically not hate this
0: person. Like, I, I'm i not fucking around right now.
2: Me neither. Like, <laughs> no, that's not a joke. We can just go to where he's buried
1: and piss on it together every year. You do realize by saying this on a podcast. How will
2: they ever fucking know, Don? <laughs> I'm not going to tell them what day we're going to do it. It's probably going to be on
0: 420, though. Oh, <laughs> oh it's got to be. No, 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 no. It has to be. It has to be June, or uh, yeah, June sixth every year. June sixth, yeah, six six. We can't get three out of every year. But uh,
2: damn, yeah, I would at say six p.m.
0: Yes, the, the interver- or six a.m. Ooh, true, one true, of the, true. One of the two. That's
2: strong too. But it also could be uh, the like a, the witching hour situation. The, either the day of the murders,
0: Ooh, or
2: or uh, the day that uh, the three boys were released.
0: Let's do it on the day they got convicted.
2: They well, they got they all got convicted, all got different convicted on different days. Mm. Yeah.
0: That's three days then.
2: <laughs> we could
1: find out when uh, Dan Stidham's birthday is and do it in <gasps> honor of Dan Stidham. Happy Dan Stidham Day. Yes.
2: New. <laughs> it, it's a town holiday in the town of Two Towns Over. <laughs> in the spirit of
0: teenage Damien, we could just do it on his birthday. True.
2: <clears throat> uh, I don't know, though, because Damien was also a little shit through this whole thing, too.
0: Yeah. That's he true.
2: is a victim in this case, but like he blew kisses at the fucking yeah. victim. Yeah, Damien, man.
0: I don't want this to go unknown you know you fucked up right oh he does you fully admits okay i mean i know you were a teenager and all but like bro come on i hope you're better than that now
2: are you looking at the time and noticing that it's later than you thought it was no i just felt
1: the table vibrators to see if they had a message so burnett ruled that the statements damien made during his nearly eight hour interrogation would be admitted at trial
0: I really hate these motherfuckers.
1: The trial moved back to open court where, in the presence of the jury, Fogelman was now allowed to ask Ridge about what Damien had told the police. I have a deep and abiding loathing for them. I have an intense burning indifference. So Ridge stated that Damien's comments about the mystical significance of water...
0: Before you say whatever crazy bullshit you're about to say, you said the say the thing you just said again. The the voice. I have
1: an intense burning indifference.
0: I saw a woman yesterday when we when I was in Sanford, who was sitting at a cafe with who I presume was like one of her girlfriends or her actual girlfriend, maybe uh, not sure. Um, I don't fucking know him, but boy oh boy, she was. She looked like you know, like the bald but like fuzzy yeah mm-hmm. that but like bleach blonde uh-huh and then her makeup was on fucking point uh-huh. okay and she had she was sitting like a skyrim Yarl but forward <laughs> <laughs> and she had the most intense look of like mild indifference that i've ever seen (laughs) it was a work of fucking art and i hope she hears this and like somehow knows that she did a beautiful thing like i boy it was like (laughs) 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 fucking on craigslist wow (laughs) connection Uh, I <laughs> I just want to be your friend. Like that shit, I want to learn. Teach me, sensei. That was amazing to me, because she. It wasn't like I'm not listening to you. It was like I'm listening to
1: you, and I super don't give a shit about what you're saying to me. <laughs> like, but like nice. It was amazing. So, Ridge stated that Damien's comments about the mystical significance of water, about three being a sacred number in the Wicca religion, and about the demonic forces that Ridge reported, Damien said, all people have inside them. When Damien, uh, Damien's attorney cross-examined Ridge, he asked Ridge, when you like asked... An anime character came to actual real life. It was amazing. When you asked him about what his favorite book of the Bible was, that's when he told you it was Revelation, to which Ridge agreed. Price continued, was that a question you asked other suspects in this case? Ridge replied, I don't remember asking anybody else. <laughs> no, sir. Price asked, when Mr. Eccles, you asked him what type of books did he enjoy reading? And he told you, I think it was Anton LaVey and Stephen King. Ridge replied, yes, sir. Price uh, asked, in your opinion, is there anything unusual about those being the types of books Mr. Eccles likes to read? Bridge replied, Anton LaVey is a book of satanic rules and involvement, Stephen King seems to be horror movies, horror books, I and mean, if you're asking me if I felt that that was strange, yes, sir, I did. So, people who listen to our show,
2: more likely to be convicted
1: of murders they didn't do.
2: Congratulations, yeah. guys! Yeah,
1: hope you're happy. I Good
2: hope
0: no. Nah, I on a real on a real note though, I really, I would like it to be made clear that we are lucky to live. Past this. Yeah. We are lucky to live in an era where it is a literal funny haha meme that women listen to murder podcasts. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a boon
1: that is literally life or death. Yeah. Um, so having decided to pursue the cult activity motive, the prosecutors pulled out all the stops. Fogelman asked Burnett to consider taking judicial notice that there was a full moon on May 5th, according to an almanac. <coughs> Jesus, the defense objected, but Burnett said he found the request appropriate and took official note of the full moon on the night of the murders, which brings us to the final stage in this case, and probably the most aggravating.
0: Fuck. (laughs) I'm already so hot. Like (laughs) my
1: ears are actually fucking on fire. The prosecutors called Dale Griffiths, a PhD cult expert from Tiffin, Ohio. They wanted Griffiths to elaborate on Ridge's contention that the killings had been cult-related. But the defense teams objected to Griffiths being qualified as an expert. With the jury dismissed yet again, this time for more than three hours, Burnett listened as Griffiths was questioned by attorneys for both sides. I, I... For sure,
0: this guy gets to give his bullshit testimony or whatever. But, like, why... No, I know why. I just hate that Burnett was like, no, the psychologists and shit aren't qualified to give testimony. Fuck that. I don't care. But he's definitely going to allow this other jackass to testify.
1: For sure. For sure. So Burnett, yeah. um, How, the defense wanted to know, does one become an expert in something like the occult? You go to Paralearning.com and type in Boo40. <laughs> uh, 40% How off, baby. Griffiths answered that he had 26 years of law enforcement experience. They should make that an affiliate code for us at this point. <laughs> Pay an actual ghost because <laughs> we don't know who owns that site yes. anymore. It's no one. So Griffiths answered that he had 26 years of law enforcement experience, a doctoral degree from Columbia Pacific, and the consulting practice related to Satanism. Because of his expertise, Griffith said, Jerry Driver had contacted him about satanic activity in West Memphis long before the murders had even occurred. Throw
0: a brick through Jerry's fucking window. I don't know. Don't do terrorism. The two had spoken about (laughs) half a dozen times. Whatever.
1: It would be terrorism. Yeah. Because it's a specific political goal for me. <laughs> Jason's lawyer asked Griffiths what classes he had taken in order to obtain his uh, PhD. I
0: might be white enough for them to... I'm just... Because no. fucking hair
2: <laughs> Just uh, You want to know about my qualifications. Well, here's a certificate that I printed out myself. Or <laughs> a... parchment paper, even. Ooh, we do have to get parchment paper to print it on. Come on now, obviously.
3: Ooh,
0: obviously.
2: Can we go to like Fast Signs? I wonder if they would print it on like
0: <laughs> <laughs> something really nice. We could get cardstock. Ooh, yeah. Like some official letterhead like or something? W- like
2: with the, the like grain on it. Oh, know?
0: shit. I know what we should do. We should get official letterhead with our fucking Satanic Panic logo on it and print them
1: on that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be really fun. Anyway. It has to be in red ink so it looks like blood. Yeah. Yeah. So Jason's lawyer asked Griffiths what classes he had taken in order obtain, to obtain his PhD. After avoiding the answer for several rounds, Griffiths finally acknowledged none. We have taken more lessons than a PhD certified- God damn it! Fuck! <laughs> finally, I- Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. So finally, Damien's lawyers had heard enough. On behalf of my client, Price told Burnett, it's our position that the mail-order PhD in which a person doesn't have to take classes from a non-accredited school doesn't qualify as an expert in Arkansas. And I wonder involved. what Burnett fucking said. Judge Burnett disagreed and allowed Griffith to testify in the area of the occult.
0: <laughs> I want to... I... I... I have never wanted to do violence more in my life, Don. I, I, wow. Mm. Fogelman later stated... We
2: he... are testifying in a trial. <laughs> we have certificates. We are fucking, we are inserting ourselves <laughs> into the next, we, into the West Memphis 4 trial. And we, we are going <laughs> to... West Memphis 4
0: electric boogaloo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they, they skipped over 1 and 2. But we're going gonna...
0: it's, to... It's actually West Memphis 3 uh, colon 2 <laughs> electric boogaloo. <laughs>
2: We are going to insert ourselves into this trial. And I, I be completely
0: impartial. I want to I want to tell this man that I hate him to his face. <laughs> I really do not like him at God, all. God, I wonder how hard that would be to actually
1: do. Probably pretty Pro- difficult. I think he's dead because he was old back in the 90s. Burnett
0: is probably? Well, I don't no, know. No, Burnett uh, is alive Griffiths. as far as I could tell. Dale I don't Griffiths. give a
1: shit about Griffiths.
0: Fuck him. <laughs> Listen, I'm not mad that he got to testify. I'm mad that he got to testify and other more qualified people didn't based on the specific literal biases of this judge, which he stated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And did not recuse himself, which you legally should be doing.
1: (laughs) So you actual dog shit piece of crap human. So Fogelman later stated that he had not realized until the hearing that Griffith's degree was from a correspondence school. Years after the trial, Fogelman admitted that the revelation had probably been his most embarrassing moment as a lawyer. So Fogelman began his questioning of Dale Griffiths. Say that again. Fogelman, the prosecutor. Said what? Did not realize that Griffith's PhD was from a correspondence school and that that revelation was his most embarrassing moment as a lawyer.
0: He didn't stop it from letting him win this trial that he right. shouldn't have won.
2: Exactly, because they don't care.
0: Because he doesn't care, actually. He's it's, such a piece of shit. It's just about the W. I'm so mad. <laughs> like, I, literally, I am
1: fuming.
0: Holy you shit. You need to
1: reach out to Sharknado3's Will Wiley uh-huh. and tell him whatever he want, subject he wants to talk about. He needs to come in and we need to do an episode with him. Because we've got to... We need to sage cleanse this room (laughs) of the evil that we (laughs) have brought in. We
2: we need to use Sharknado 3 and Devotions Will Wiley as sage in our (laughs) podcast studio. There you go,
1: exactly. Maybe in our
0: real lives, too. Like He's (laughs) amazing, and I hate what's happening right
1: now. We we need Thalema Wiley back in the room. Tell him I will. will do like a dramatic reenactment of Leah Sublime, if if if, <laughs> if 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 that's what it takes.
2: You do not want to do a dramatic reenactment of not the re-enactment. events depicted uh, in Leah Sublime. What's
1: the word I'm thinking of? Um, Shit, fuck. Let me come. Performance. Your gluey gonorrhea performance. There you go. Like <laughs> like a, like a uh, interpretive dance of <laughs> Leah Sublime. Anyways, I don't know if I, <laughs> I want to dance that dance. Do I don't know if I want to wanna that. dance that dance.
2: I did Rocky Horror and I had to do some sus shit on stage for that. I, don't, I do not want to. Elbow do... sex! That, that's just. That's cute. pretty fun. No, I'm talking about where I had to do sit ups into Mark's crotch. Like...
0: <laughs> <laughs> the shadow scenes are
1: particularly wild. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I remember the year I, I was in the backstage crew. Yeah. Every night we would be on stage. It's
2: like it's it's like
1: weirdly close to voyeur, isn't yeah. it? Like- <laughs> yeah. No. The weirdest thing because I actually had to hold. Um...
0: You know, I've never still seen the Tim Curry the
1: picture show. Wow. Really? Yeah. Oh. But I should've... held. I had to hold the quote unquote bed s- <laughs> stable while that scene was going on, uh-huh. and like literally, Mark's ass is in my face. And I'm just like Yeah, you guys,
0: if you've never been a part
1: of theater at all, (laughs) like you
0: should know that theater is one of the most intimate things you can do with a person you are not sleeping with. It will do away with a lot of your inhibitions. Yeah. I've never It it might or it might do what it did to me and reinforce all of them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Real hard.
2: It's (laughs) for me, it was a thing that was like I've never been around so many like very attractive half-naked women yeah, and there be nothing sexual about it and me just be like, oh, there's a girl that I have a crush on and she's like half-naked, but I'm just like, you know, what? it's, it's just a thing that's yeah. happening in the green room. And dude. for
0: sure, when you're in the green room, it is that. For me, though, I wish I had realized what kind of trauma that I had before I yeah. had done theater
1: because <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would fair. have helped.
2: That's fair. That, that can make a lot of it worse. All
1: right. So Fogelman began his questioning of Dale Griffiths. When asked if the number three had any significance, Griffith stated that one of the most powerful numbers in the practice of satanic belief is 666. And some believe that the base root of six is three. So because six... The base root of three is one. What the fuck? Yeah. We don't get into math. This is Arkansas. Uh, It's it's not really...
2: Not even math. It's (laughs) numerology at this point. It's... there, And the thing about... Well, it's... It's fucking... It's gematria. It's you make the numbers mean what you want them to mean. And then you get the conclusion that you were looking for actual Bible, actual scholars. Did I get banned from the Gematria group? I think I did. (laughs) How (laughs) would you have gotten banned? Did you actually comment on shit? Uh, No, but I, I I shared a couple of their things to like other pages and somebody may have screenshot and sent it
0: to the sent it to them. So I would actual Bible, actual scholars, mostly agree that the number 666 was a code that meant the emperor of Rome at the time, Nero. Nero. So, like, fuck off. Like, literally, Revelations was written for people who lived almost 2,000, a little over 2,000 years ago.
1: Right.
0: So, like, calm down, grab your lessons from the Bible, and move on. Just real quick. Uh I am
2: not banned from the Gematria group. One of the first posts that I was greeted with upon opening it was the King James Bible LeBron version starring LeBron James, Michael Jordan and Gloria James.
1: Huh? Is it a joke?
2: I don't know. I don't know if anything in that group is a joke.
0: Can I can I click it? <laughs> Yeah. It's probably a virus,
1: right? It's gotta no, be. It, click don't click it. Don't click it. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I'm gonna continue, because we still got a lot of ways to go. No way! God! Actually, I don't know. I don't no, know. Oh, it's
2: what... a video. What? Oh, okay, never mind, then.
1: But it's we...
0: 50 minutes long! Oh,
1: yeah. Shit. Okay, yeah, we have, we have too much to go. Later. Later! later. <laughs> but later, though. But when Damien's attorney asked Griffiths if he would agree that the number three was also significant in Christianity, for example, and other religions, Griffiths simply answered, I cannot make that statement. (laughs) Ruben has knocked shit on the table
0: over. Ruben just had a seizure. (laughs) (laughs) I... Wow. I've never been hit that many times from those many directions at once from <laughs> one statement. That's what the fuck
1: Ow <laughs> <laughs> I So Price continued, are you familiar with the Christian belief of the Trinity? Griffiths said that he was, but added that his belief that the murders were cult-related had been confirmed by him for him by some of Damien's drawings particularly one of an individual that had a head of a satanic goat. Well, well Damien's attorneys tried to have Damien's writings and pictures non, not admissible. I'm sorry. While Damien's attorneys tried to have Damien's writings and pictures not admissible, Burnett ruled in favor of the prosecution and the books, writings, and drawings taken from Damien's home a year before the murders would be, were admitted as evidence. He stated, I'm also going to rule that in as much as the state has the burden of proof in this case, and in as much as a good portion of this case is circumstantial, that it's necessary and appropriate that the state provide motive if they can, and that the probative value of the testimony with regard to motivation outweighs any possible prejudicial effect. He basically, I think what that says is, uh, fuck you, eat my nuts. Yeah, basically. So Ford asked Griffiths, do you have any evidence that establishes a link between Jason Baldwin and the occult? To which uh, Griffiths stated no. Ford continued, are all crimes of this nature occultic in nature? Are all murders where these types of injuries happen, are they all occultic? Griffiths stated no. So what separates this one from those that aren't? Griffiths responded, first of all, the dates and the full moon. The defense lawyers protested that there was no scientific basis on Griffith's proposed testimony that the murders were cult-related, but Judge Burnett ruled against them. No so, way. Yeah, The judge said he was qualifying Griffiths as an expert based upon his knowledge, experience, and training in the area of occultism and Satanism. So when the jury was finally allowed back in, Fogelman called a few witnesses in pre- preparation for Griffiths. Lisa Sacaviscius Sacavis- from the crime lab testified that she'd found a trace of blue wax on one of the victim's shirts. And Damien had a blue candle in his house. Oh, of yeah. Other witnesses said that they found a book titled never. Oh,
0: um, you mean one of the four fucking colors a candle can be
1: right. Mm-hmm. Uh, other witnesses brought back up the never on a broomstick and the skull of a dog in Damien's home. And that, oh, here we go. This is, this is... Never on a
0: Broomstick is literally a title that implies that that book is about how the occult is not the f- same as the religion. Right. It isn't. It just isn't. It's just a word that literally the Vatican made up <laughs> to like, oh my God.
1: I'm done. I can't. The, and uh they also noted 11 black t-shirts had been found in Jason's home.
2: I would have been in so much fucking trouble I would between be in the trouble ages now. of 13 and uh, literally all of my clothes yeah. were all black.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, you're lucky. I literally I like had actual fights with my dad in the mall multiple times because I was like, I'm not wearing that color. If it
1: wasn't black, I wasn't fucking wearing <laughs> uh-huh. it. Do you honestly think that if, if Griffiths walked into a fucking Hot Topic, Red was his acceptable. head would explode?
2: Yeah, probably. <laughs> he would piss and shit himself oh, on bro, the spot. Bro,
1: imagine and... if he even saw a Spencer's
2: Gifts. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, I he, I don't think he would even make it to the back, which is what would fuck him up the worst. He wouldn't, he wouldn't physically be able to walk that far into a Spencer's.
0: What if he saw, like, an indie music record store? Oh, no!
1: Ruben, no! <laughs> wouldn't he just... Literally die. So with that testimony, Fogelman called What if Griffiths... he heard a
2: Mayhem song?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> what if he saw Dead's name? Like, <laughs> like, So Fogelman called Griffiths, who told the court how, based on the fullness of the moon and the lack of blood at the scene, he had detected the trappings of occultism. Fogelman stated, and looking at young people involved in the occult, do you see any particular type of dress or jewelry or body markings? Anything like that. Griffiths stated, I have personally observed people wearing black fingernails, having their hair painted black, wearing black t-shirts, black dungarees, that type of thing. Wow. Dungarees, huh? Yeah. Sometimes they will tattoo themselves. Then they'll use some earrings, which have uh, occult symbols on them that you can buy through mail order houses. Then Fogelman asked about the types of artwork he associated with people involved in occultism. Griffiths answered that he had seemed involved in What he'd seen involved necromancy or the love of death. Artwork attributed to Damien qualified as that, he said. Similar, he said that Damien's writings indicated involvement in the occult, and so did books in his possession. As Griffiths testified, he sharpened his opinion further. So, dungarees is a word which I know means
0: some sort of pant. Right. Um, I can't it's actually. It's more like overalls. I'm currently yeah. looking at them. I knew it was like a Carhartt situation, right? Yeah. So what I did was I Googled dungarees and then I hit images, and I just want to show you guys what I what.
2: It's all just overalls, man.
0: <laughs> no, it isn't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> ah! Oh, I did also <laughs> see those. But let me show you the clothing of Satan. <laughs>
0: Nah, that's pretty cute.
2: Yeah.
0: Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: It's just a girl that looks vaguely like Sarah
0: Silverman wearing overalls. Yeah. That's. God, I, <clears throat> I just love that it's clearly a man wearing a fucking halter top. <laughs> God. So sheen
1: is out of control. Oh, yeah. So similarly, he said that Damien's writings indicated involvement in the occult, and so did books in his possession. As Griffiths testified, he sharpened his opinion further, stating that the crime showed trappings not just of vague occultism, but satanic worship in particular. One other thing that the prosecution brought up to point to Damien's ties to occultism was a page of writings that Damien had written while in prison. Damien was fascinated with other languages, and had even tried to create his own. One of, the pages, yeah, one of the pages featured three lines of text in this new language. One line was Jason's name. One line line was the name of his Damien's newborn son that Domini had just had.
2: Fuck, I forgot. He had like a baby. Yeah. What and was the, the kid's name? What Damien Seth
1: Azariah Eccles. Rad.
2: It was a horn.
1: Oh. And the third line was Leah Sublime himself, Aleister Crowley. Nice! Yeah. Uh, He's really fucking himself here, but nice. Yeah. So when the prosecutor sat down after calling their last witness, a reporter jotted impressions in his notebook of the case they just presented. A pervasive vagueness, he wrote, just couldn't get through it or past it, simply impenetrable. Later, the reporter wrote what the prosecution rested the state's case about. All it had proved was, one, that the murders had indeed occurred, and two, how the victims died. It had proved the deed and the how, but not the who, the why, the where, or even the when. It's lopsided. It's who, why, where, and when were supposition, guesswork, rumor. Like, what if you only did squats with the left side of your body? Like, <laughs> and bad courtroom vaudeville. Uh, no motive, opportunity not clearly established, time of death disputed, and not a single shred of tangible evidence linking any of the defendants to the crime. Jason's lawyer asked Burnett to issue a directed verdict acquitting Jason on the spot, which the judge is empowered to do when the evidence is deemed glaringly insufficient. But of course, Burnett refused, announcing an open court, I feel that it is more than sufficient. Having no other choice, Damien's lawyers put, him, put Damien on the stand damien admitted oh no
3: that's the
2: worst thing you could do with damien as a client
1: (sighs) damien admitted that he was interested in different types of religions stating that quote i have read about all different types of religions because i've always wondered like how do we know we got the right one how do we know we're not messing up
2: god that's just yeah Mm -hmm. man he's yeah that's just so relatable to a young me I just I started looking into all of them. I'm like, uh, people say they're Buddhist. What is Buddhism actually? And I would like go and read like six different websites about Buddhism or Islam or different ones, and that was what made me stop believing in any single one of them.
1: He admitted that for a time he was really into the Catholic religion, but then he started focusing on another particular religion, that of Wicca. Price asked Damien about some of his uh, writings, which the prosecutor had already introduced. Damien identified one of the books as his personal journal. Pointing to quotes on the inside front cover, the lawyer asked Damien to read them to the jury and to tell them what they were or where they came from. Damien began to read, Life is but a walking shadow. It's a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury signifying nothing. That's from A Midsummer Night's Dream by William Shakespeare. The next one, pure black, looking clear, my work is done here, try getting back for me that which used to be, that's off a Metallica tape called Injustice for All. It's about how warped the court systems are and stuff like that. The other one was from a Twilight Zone episode. I kicked open a lot of doors in my time and I'm willing to wait for the ones, I'm willing to wait for this one to open and when it does, I'll be waiting. Damien identified other items the state had introduced against him um, as a cover from the Metallica uh, tape Master of Puppets and a bootleg Metallica tape uh, that most people didn't even know existed called Garage Days Revisited. Damien, Uh,
2: That Master of Puppets album cover is fucking awesome. Yeah. I love that cover. But
1: I don't know how that would be deemed satanic. It literally is a field of crosses.
2: Uh, Aren't some of them upside down? No. No?
0: No. Don, if you don't know how... Christians would see the national cemetery and think it was fucking satanic. You gotta, you gotta be on the internet more, bud. <laughs> oh yeah, it's they've done
2: that like on in on the street interviews before. They would like show a, a Christian monument and be like, "Does this look like a satanic temple to you?" And they'd be like, "Yeah, I bet they do rituals there. It seems like the kind of place that they would do their sacrifices." <laughs> and they'd be like, "Nope, actually, that is uh, the national cemetery."
0: evangelical uh, christians might be the least aware people in the world oh yeah
1: so damien explained that he and jason used to get maybe copies, flat earthers but there's a lot of crossovers so. would used to get copies of um the album covers on copy machines and enlarge them uh to put decorations in their rooms he said he kept the dog skull he'd found because quote i just thought it was kind of cool another picture the state introduced was that of a gold gold skull with wings which Damien identified as a Harley Davidson emblem he had. Also, Avenged a Sevenfold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is uh-huh. Way before Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah, way, way, Fair. way. Price
2: asked why Damien Actu- had. Actually, they might have just been coming around, or, like around that time. I feel
0: like, like they were in early, maybe mid 90s.
2: We're up to the mid
1: 90s now, are we not? No, this is still 94. 94? Yeah. That's mid-90s. I I call that
3: mid-90s.
1: So Damien's, uh, when Damien, Price had asked why Damien had borrowed cotton mather on witchcraft from the library. Damien stated just to read it. Most people, by looking at the cover, would think it was a witchcraft book. It's really an anti-witchcraft book. It was wrote by a Puritan minister. It was on different ways that during the persecution era, they used to find ways to torture people or keep them locked up until finally they would say, yeah, I'm a witch, and then they would kill them. When asked about the several things that Griffiths was talking about the day before about, and about sa- Satanism beliefs, and if any of those things that he was talking about were Damien's personal beliefs, Damien said, not really. Though he did add that he might share some of the characteristics with what Griffiths had described. For example, he said that Satanists, some Satanists may be arrogant, conceited, self-important. I might be that, he said, but I'm not a Satanist. I don't believe in human sacrifice or anything like that. Damien also admitted that he did have a knife like the one found in the lake, but it was different in the fact that the handle was camouflaged on Damien's and not black, and that the blade itself was black, not silver, like the one found in the lake. Damien testified that he was a manic depressive, and that during his manic times he might feel invincible, but that his violent tendencies were only ever enacted upon himself.
0: Yeah, that's fucking characteristic of a mental health disorder. Yeah.
2: Yeah. This is why if you're ever in a trial situation like this, if you have a low charisma stat, (laughs) you're just going to be fucked. Uh And Damien had a low charisma stat.
1: Yeah. In the end... I'm sorry. He
0: oh. might have had a high charisma stat, but he was definitely in the wrong loading zone. Right. Exactly. Because, yeah. like, honestly, he sounds like my type of dude. I'll be honest, except for the fact that he was being a dick to the people whose right. sons died. That's why I said. That's the. That's why I thing. said
2: lo- low charisma.
0: <laughs> well, that I attribute to panic and like dealing with. You know, like I said, fight, flight, or freeze, and he fought. Right. And that's it's exactly not the right response for that particular type of. Situation. It was like he
2: had to roll charisma to stop himself from doing that, and he, and he, yeah. Yeah, he had a low roll. He, he just got ones. low rolls. Exactly. He kept, just, he got, he kept rolling nat ones well, just over and over and over. Well,
0: he was in. Uh, he was in Arkansas, so his goth shit was not cool, which means he was actually getting a negative penalty. Yeah, yeah, rolling with disadvantage and
1: a negative penalty of like a minus two to his real stat. <laughs> right. So this, this man was steady rolling negative threes. So of the three defendants in the case, only Damien ever testified and most in the courtroom and the press in general felt that in the end, it did not help his case. In the end, the jury deliberated. This is why
0: the great lie of our justice system and your parents is tell the truth and you won't get in as much trouble. Yeah. If never listen, telling the truth is often a sacrifice that I believe is worth it because a lot of times it's reward is way greater than the ones you get from lying. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that if you have done something wrong and you tell the truth about it, you will get punished. Also, sometimes you tell the truth, but a liar has a higher role than you. So it doesn't really matter in those cases, but I feel like it's, It's like we've been talking about. It's a matter of integrity. You have to live the way that, like, if you're imagining yourself at 100 and you're in your deathbed and you're surrounded by loved ones, ideally, or whenever you die, when you die and you look back on your life and you think, did I do it right? Live like that. And if you do, you did it right. And if you don't,
1: okay, you fucked up a little bit. That's all right. Keep moving. So in the end, the jury deliberated for a total of 10 hours. When they returned, the verdicts were read out. Guilty of Capital One murder and the deaths of all three boys. Taking Jason's youth into consideration, he was given life without parole. Damien, on the other hand, would be sentenced to death by lethal injection. And that's it. We made it. Not yet not yet two two more one more one more we're gonna we're gonna hold off on the the one more and then the if they did it which we're gonna hold off on that later yeah when everybody is back to
0: when i don't feel like murdering people although i
1: won't because i don't have the money (laughs) (laughs) all right guys so we thank you for Coming along this slog with us. Um, yeah, this was a long one, too. Also, because I don't believe in murder. I just want that to be made yeah, clear. It'll uh, end up being a seven-part series inside the...
2: No, no, no. I I mean, specifically, this episode was a long one.
1: Yeah, but we still managed to get through in less than two hours. So
2: that's. I, damn, I thought it was going to end up being a
0: two-hour episode.
1: Yeah, I think the fact that you're both so beaten down and... <laughs> well,
0: you remember it's... how you talked about that moment in your life where two seconds felt like an eternity? Uh-huh. That. <laughs> yeah yep
2: well it's i also I'm trying to keep interruptions and side talk to a minimum on this one me too because just the information is so good like if, if anybody can only listen through one series that we do, it should be this one i I literally only do it when I can't take
3: it
0: anymore right <laughs> like
2: I, <laughs> it's i I kinda want this to be our most accessible series that we do for like, cause you know, it's a lot of, a lot of our audience loves all of the, the tangents that we go on and, you know, uh, the, the ADHD listeners that we have find it very relatable when Ruben and I can't go five whole minutes without derailing the episode into a conversation about the pirate shit that we did in Sea of Thieves last <laughs> night. And
0: that's... Very successful. We scared off a, a whole other... another uh, yeah, different they, crew. They ran like bitches. Because Josh went, nah, in and, chat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they, they pulled up trying to fight and I just said, Nah. And they turned around and left. I almost hit him with a cannon shot from like 300 yards away. And they saw that shit go right over their bow. And they were like, maybe we don't fight
0: this. And they left and let us finish what we were there to do. Not only that, but within literally, it was the cleanest shit I've ever done on a sloop, dude. Because I was behind them with broadside in like 25 seconds. It was amazing. (laughs) From standstill. And they snuck up on us. Like, oh, I felt so good about it. They didn't get one shot, dude. Nope, not one. But a lot of people love
2: that. A lot of people love when we do that thing that we just did. But a lot of podcast listeners aren't necessarily fans of that. They want to listen to podcasts that, like, stay on topic. Which, if you want to listen to a podcast that stays on topic, listen to any other one.
0: SOL. Also, any other podcast, I fucking dare you to, like, find one. Find one aside from the some of the like self
2: serious ones, you know. Yeah,
0: but like if it's a therapy podcast, it doesn't count,
2: right? Yeah, (laughs) it's I I would I want this series to be one where someone who even isn't into our very niche off topic all the time brand, uh, (laughs) I want someone who isn't into that to be able to listen through this one because
0: it's yeah this feels valuable. This is a great case too of. How, like I was saying earlier, just because somebody's a dick does not mean they are an evil person. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you might not like them, but that doesn't mean they deserve the death penalty for something that they probably did not do. And when I say probably, I only say probably because legally that's the fucking point we're at in the story. But, like, they didn't fucking do it. It should be clear by now. That they are each reacting in the way that their brain is making them react, mostly. As teenagers, they're they're in the middle of fucking puberty and getting charged with capital murder. Like, that's... And cult activity and shit. Because you like metal shit. Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. wild. Like... Yeah. That's a cr- you, I don't know how I would have dealt with that, and I don't know how anyone would deal with that. We now have to know how these guys dealt with it, but that's 30 years
1: ago. Right. You know? <clears throat> All right, everybody. So, um I love we've just gotten over not introducing ourselves anymore, and that's on me.
3: Uh,
2: it's, I Well, I don't have enough AKAs written down, <laughs> so...
1: So thank you guys for listening. Uh, We got one more West Memphis episode to do for now. Um, And then uh, the next time you hear it, it will be something different. We're moving on. Uh, So thank you for listening. I have been Don. I've been Shortstack.
2: I've been Josh, also known as Blind Bob.
1: Nice. Okay. Fuck cancer, be good to yourself. Fuck cancer, be good to yourselves. Thanks for visiting our town, I guess. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.